The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. We're here at episode 16. Uh, Today, it's just Matt and I, just the two of us. Matt, Uh, nobody wanted to come on the episode today. I don't think we've had, we've had one episode just like this. We've had one episode where it's just the two of us. It's all right. we'll, We'll still make it work. We'll still make it enjoyable. Um, the good news is next week, we've got an exciting episode. We've got, um, uh, Niagara, Niagara Wheatfield coach Megan Smith coming back uh, with Grand Island cross country coach um, Megan, or sorry, Michelle White. So Michelle and Megan will both be joining us. They uh, split the NFL championship for cross country, and it looks like uh, they'll they'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about sectionals because sectionals for cross country is coming up this week. So next week we've got an exciting, exciting episode. Um, but today's exciting. Today's going to be exciting too. We're going to start. We're going to have fun. Um, let's come in hot today with, uh, let's come in hot today with a little bills talk. All right. Um, I'll tell you what, it was not, not a fan of the way the game was going. The first, first half wasn't, wasn't worried, wasn't upset, wasn't, you know, yelling and screaming and throwing stuff at the TV, but wasn't happy. Um, defense I thought played Played fairly well. Yeah, it was more of a defensive game. Um, offense, I don't know. Just took a little took a little time to to I don't know get started. Yeah, no, I I I don't feel like the the end goal. Like I don't think the win was ever threatened. I never felt threatened no. by watching it. But being used to watching them put up thirty points well before the fourth quarter was just I don't know. And also, I didn't put Beasley in the fantasy. <laughs> And of course, that's the only game that he actually did something in. Like, but the defense did play well. Speaking of fantasy, can I tell you my team in my other league? I know we've got the one through the podcast here through the precinct. Um, my other one through the the park school uh, where we play with Steve, um, all those guys. Right. Holy cow! Is my team just decimated? Not only did I have Christian McCaffrey that I've lost, and I'm, again, hoping to get back this week. Um, literally, what, I think three hours before the game time? Oh, yeah, Calvin Ridley, just not playing. Yep. Had him. Um, lost Miles Sanders, not that he really did anything for me all year, but he's hurt. Um, Antonio Brown, who was a great pickup, great steal. I think I got him in, like, the eighth round. Wow. And has been destroying things until the last two weeks when he's been hurt. I mean, my team's just been riddled. In fact, I got destroyed by Steve, where he put up a dismal 97 points. I put up an even worse 77 points. Who was your quarterback? I had Jalen Hurts, who was still decent for 20, 30 points a game, 20, 25 points a game. Last week, they were up so much that they ended up yanking him. I think he got like 15 points for me. Wow. um, If anything. So, yeah. It it was a it was a rough 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 fantasy week this year. I think it drops me down to like four and three on the year. That's all right. Um, still, how many more games you got? 
it's still not bad. We go to, uh, I think we'd go week 14 okay. starts the playoffs this year. Yeah, because we go 15, 16, 17. Yeah, you, got, so, you got like four or five weeks yeah. left. I should still be good for the playoffs. I mean, for our league, we do uh, top eight make okay. the playoffs. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, right fine. now, I think I'm sitting comfortably in like fifth or sixth spot. Keep so. it there. Should still be good. Should still be good. I did uh, I did beat John, I think it was last week, two weeks ago, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> That's always a win. I beat uh, <laughs> beat Brian uh, the first week, destroyed him by like 20, 30 points. I bet you enjoyed that. Uh, that was very enjoyable. Yeah. So um, <laughs> definitely had fun in that. Uh, you know what? I And I don't want to make this a fantasy podcast, but I love fantasy football. And it's just, when, especially when you get in a league, we've been doing this league now um, through the park school. I think this is the eighth, ninth year, something like that. We've been doing wow. it for a while now. Um, most of the same guys. There's a couple, you know, a couple of left, a couple of uh, joined throughout. But there's been, I'd say, probably a, a core group of like eight or nine that have been there the whole time. Um, and it's just fun. I mean, it's not, all right, yeah, you win a little money if you win the league, but it's it's just bragging rights. Right. It's just fun, you know, throughout the week, if you beat somebody, hey, dude, I destroyed you, or, you know, I'm going to beat your, you know, I've got you this. It's just, it's bragging rights. It's trash talking on text. It's it's fun. It helps give you, like, something else to do or, like, monitor after the Bills play. So, like, say, like, oh, the absolutely. Bills, then you're like, all right, what's the next game? Like, who do I got playing and stuff? Like, it gives Sunday, like, a whole other meaning. It's, well, even this week, it, it made me conflicted because, of course, Steve had Josh Allen as his quarterback. Right. So the first half, I'm like, all right, Josh isn't doing great. And I had Devin Singletary because that's how low on the running back. That's how, how much I needed to reach. Um, so I'm like, all right, give it to Singletary. And every time Moss is in the game, I'm like, no, take him out. Yeah. Take him out. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 fun because especially on games like that, you can – I mean, again, I never thought the Miami game was in question – so it was just all right. Wrap it up, Josh. Have a good day, but don't have a fantastic. Don't have an MVP day. Yeah, just just get us the win. That's all I care about. In and next week, oh my gosh, Steve should have a heyday if they're playing. Um, they're playing Jacksonville. <laughs> I thought he was going to have a heyday against Miami. Although Miami's defense was supposed to be good, and they've been they've been pretty good the last couple games. They've also played us before, so they kind of know what we do. Jacksonville's going to be a fresh game. They've never played us before, especially with a rookie quarterback. Oh, I think they're going to be in shambles. Over under two interceptions by Trevor Lawrence. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I if we don't put him into the turf, I would be so sad. And this is what you get when you name a rookie quarterback as your captain. I, I yeah, I don't know where that came from. I don't get. They did it with Joe Burrow last year. They're doing it this year with um, Trevor Lawrence. You're just ruining this kid way before he even has a chance. We didn't even do that with Josh Allen. No. And I think something like that when Captain, I mean. You got to earn it. You got to earn it. It definitely takes a special guy to come into the locker room in the first year um, to be captain. But even if it's a rare talent, I mean, you'd like to think you'd give the guy at least a year or two, gain the respect of his teammates, gain the locker room respect. And then, hey, you want to make him a captain next year? You want to make him captain's third year, whatever? I go for it. I think it's also just because like these quarterbacks like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence especially are like they came in such a high tier player that automatically when they get drafted, like this is the guy, like we're gonna invest so much into him and automatically that puts him in as a captain just because of like I guess like his rating. Because both Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow were like top one prospects when they yeah. came into the league and they were captains in the rookie year. Joe Pro got destroyed and ruined with his with his ACL, and Trevor Lawrence is on a team that's won one game so far. 
Trevor Lawrence, I mean, we've been hearing this kid, you know, pretty much from his freshman year um, in college. He's going to be the number one pick. He's going to be the number one pick. He's going to be the number one pick. I know he's got an absolutely atrocious team in Jacksonville in front of him. Um, Do you think, though, a little bit maybe overhyped? Um, well, there's a, like, I think it's the same thing. It's like, there's always a difference between college and football and the NFL. You can be, you can be a beast in the, in the college and NCAA, but as soon as you get to the league, it's a whole new game. And I mean, sometimes like you saw it with like, uh, Johnny Manziel. He was he was a bust when he actually came into the league, but he was great in the, in the college. And I think it's just how they adapt to it. This is his first year. I'm not going to call him necessarily overhyped yet, but if the next couple of years Jacksonville can't do anything with him or he doesn't produce anything, then yes, I'm going to say he's overhyped. I think I I'd like to think ultimately he's going to be a, a a good to above average quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be another Manning, like they said. I don't think I don't even think he's going to be another uh, another uh, Andrew Luck or anything like that. No. Another second coming. Um, I think though, if Jacksonville doesn't, um, if they don't start, if they don't rebuild the next two years properly, or at least get him some pieces on offense, some defense, an offensive line, um, I think you know year three, year four, if this kid's still only winning two, three games a year, I think you're going to ruin him. Yeah. Um, and I think by the time you know his his rookie contract is up uh, in four years. Or if they if Jacksonville uh, decides to pick up that fifth year option, you know he could be one of those where hey five years from now, sorry kid, we we don't want you. Yeah, and then he's just going to be stuck playing like second string or yeah, be a rotating quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Absolutely. Where you know, I don't know. It depends. It's it's heavily also on Jacksonville, so it's not just him. He can only do with what he has. Yep, I agree. He's got, I mean he's got some decent pieces. You know, he's got uh, LaVisca Chenault in there, wide receiver. Um, He's got, uh, I mean, it kind of stunk he lost ATN. Uh, I don't even think he made it into the regular season, did he? No, I don't believe so. I think it was preseason injury or even training camp injury. Something really early. Um, So, I mean, that that definitely would have helped having him out there. Um, You know, they do need to get him more weapons and they need to protect him more. But like you said, I think it's going to, I think the next year or two, it's going to be interesting. There's there's some hope. I mean, you look at Joe Burrow. Obviously, he didn't play a full season last year with the with the leg injury, but even this year now, he's showing major improvements. Being on the Bengals team, that still isn't like the best team out there. But you look at him from first year to second year, there's some growth. Like he's oh for sure he's doing very he's doing more than than better th- than last year. And oh for sure. So. If you look at that team, though, around him, I mean... They did do some work with it. Even that first, his first rookie year, that offensive line was putrid. Yeah. Um, they definitely did a little rebuild with that offensive line. Um, I don't want to say an ACL tear uh, is a good thing for any player, but in Burrow's case, it might have been a little bit better. That way yeah. he didn't have to play that last half of the season. He didn't have to continue to get banged around, beaten up, destroyed, lose confidence, whatever. Um, who knows how many more games he would have lost if he if he wins maybe one more game, two more games that year? Because I know they did have a pretty uh, tough schedule closing out the season. Um, so I think you know even just you know looking at the bright side of an ACL injury that might have been a great thing for his career. Gave him that opportunity to like sit back and actually watch, even though they didn't have like a very veteran kind of quarterback for him to watch under. 
Um, I think the same thing what they're doing in Jacksonville right now is like as soon as they drafted Trevor Lawrence, no experience in the league, but he was like the top ten, top one prospect. We're going to name him captain. We're going to put him in. He's going to be our starter. He has absolutely no clue what he's doing, and they're not giving him a chance to sit there and watch. Now, it goes back to the same thing. Uh, you kind of look at Patrick Mahomes where his rookie year, he sat behind Alex Smith. Now, Kansas City was a little different. Kansas City had a still had a uh, pretty good team. In front of them, in fact, a really good team, a playoff team in front of them. Uh, they made the trade up to get him. Um, but I don't know. I still think, and you look back at Aaron Rodgers, he sat, what, two, maybe three years behind uh, Brett Favre right. in Green Bay. Um, you know, I think a team like that, you know, maybe Jacksonville bites the bullet this year, sticks with Gardner Minshew for all of this year. He didn't that, do that bad last year. No, but that way they can rebuild the offensive line. Um, get another anticipate getting higher draft picks, rebuild with Lawrence in there, give Lawrence a year to really get everything going, yeah, and um, then go from there. But you know, like you said, once these kids get into the league, now you got five years. Their clock is kind of ticking, yep. And you don't want to burn. It's almost like burning a year of college el- eligibility. Yeah. You don't want to burn it quick. Yeah, I mean, like especially like the, 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 the especially with these like higher round draft picks um, who are getting drafted by pretty crappy teams. Um, the pressure is automatically on. So it's not just like, all right, like say you got drafted by the Bills this year. The Bills are like a higher ranking team, so you're not gonna necessarily like automatically have to bring this team up to a higher level, but like you're still on the clock versus like Trevor Lawrence were like, okay, we're a really bad team and it's on you to bring us up. And if you don't do this within your rookie contract, that's it. Oh, absolutely. For sure. And I think especially the higher that pick are, like even Baker Mayfield's feeling it in Cleveland now. I mean, yeah. he took him to the playoffs last year. But, you know, you've got uh, this was supposed to be the year where he takes his big jump, like Josh took his big jump last year. You know, a lot of people early on in the year were thinking, hey, Cleveland's going to walk through the North or at least win the North. Um, Cleveland could be a team that maybe, you know, uh, get second round, third round in the playoffs. You know, they're in the AFC championship game. Right now, the way and I know, I know Baker's uh, struggling with injuries right now, but yeah. they right now they're on the outside looking in, I believe. Um, but they they're going to be fighting for their playoff lives. There's no guarantee in the NFL. Just look at the just look at the Kansas City Chiefs and how they're doing right now. Oh my gosh, man! I was I was never a Giants fan. Obviously, still scarred from Super Bowl twenty five, but. Man, was I rooting for the Giants last night. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. that would have been tremendous. I mean, yeah, they won and stuff, but I w- like if I could go back now and say, hey, I would put so much money on like the Kansas City Chiefs like really biting the big one this year and just going down. And because they went to the Super Bowl twice in the past two years, and now they came out with this start that they have, and it's just like. Oh what yeah, happened. Most of their team stayed. Yeah, they didn't lose many. I think they revamped their offensive line a little bit. Yeah, but, but that's about it. The key players, other than Sammy Watkins, which I don't consider a big no. key player, anyways. He was a luxury item. Exactly, like Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Matthew, obviously Patrick Mahomes. Like everybody stayed. I think if you look at it last year, though, this is the defense that people thought Kansas City would have last year. Last year. Their defense wasn't that good, but they got costly turnovers. Or yeah. ti- sorry, timely turnovers. You know, uh, their secondary was able. I wouldn't say they were a good secondary, 
but they would it was almost like a bend but don't break you know we're gonna give up yards give up yards give up yards and look we're gonna get an interception yeah or we're gonna get a timely fumble and you can't win like that and their defense is awful oh yeah but the last couple of games it hasn't even really been their defense I mean last night they scored what 17 right. against the Giants if anything like they were relying last year on scoring 30 40 points a game now they're not even able to no. do that consistently no absolutely not uh, now Patrick Mahomes it's it's interesting because there's a kid where he sat the first year and then went to the AFC championship game lost went to the Super Bowl went to another Super Bowl and lost um, and then you know, he's had so much success in his first three to four years in the league. And now this is like the only time he's really had to struggle Good. or really is struggled. I mean, and, and I can't say that he's struggled because it's not like he's having a horrendous right. season, but he's still throwing a lot of interceptions. He is. He's, it, he's more clumsy than he was. Yeah. And I think he might be feeling just a different kind of pressure where he realizes, hey, my defense is so bad that if I don't score – 40 points a game, we're going to lose. I've got to make this play. And maybe it's, you know, where he normally wouldn't make that risky throw to get that interception. Now he's, he's hey, I got it. I got to do it. I think you can definitely see that in the Super Bowl last year. Like, you watched that. Yeah, he didn't really play that well last he, year in the Super Bowl. He didn't play well at all. And granted, I strongly dislike Patrick Mahomes. So watching him almost cry was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. But... Um, these throws that he kept on making, like obviously like the famous one here is perfectly horizontal with the ground and threw it to Tyree Kill in the end zone, hit him in the face, hit my mic into my face, hit him in the face with the ball, and Tyree Kill didn't even catch it. He was making all these costly throws because he was trying so hard because he was like, my defense is terrible. I need to make these scoring points, and he can't even do that. So I think that was like the beginning of like his decline for these consistent of like throwing these points. Because I think it just clicked in his head. It's like, I got to do whatever it takes. And that's making him be pretty loose with the ball. Absolutely. And I think the first couple, you know, his first two years, three years in the league, when he was, you know, a starter, it was everybody was almost caught off guard. Like, wow, a no-look pass or this or, you know, running behind. Just It was now it seems like, too, that the defenses are – Expecting that. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. No, they're expecting it. I was going to say, it's the same thing with Lamar Jackson when he first came in. Nobody was expecting a running quarterback like Mike Vick, like with him. So no defense could stop him. After a while, though, after playing them, okay, they're probably going to give it to Lamar. If Lamar Jackson's holding onto the ball, it's a 50 50, 75 25 if he's going to run it or not. And then at that point, their offense was kind of halted because people could stop it. People were not scared, not um, shocked by it anymore. It was like, oh, this is what they do. Yeah. Um, and so, and obviously, Kansas City hasn't found a way to, okay, so since they're anticipating me to gun it down the field now, how do we combat that? So if they're already playing deep, we'll play it short. Like, you look when we played Tennessee, obviously we were trying to play, like, the, the run game with um, with um, um, Henry, and they burned us by throwing it because we had most of our um, defense just pressed up against the the offense or the um offensive line trying to protect the uh, the run and I think if you need to be successful if you have this kind of already preconceived notion of this is our this is our trend whether it be running or passing you have to find the the um what is the word the uh I don't know the 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 coupling to that 
Yeah. And it's um that's why I I, I kinda like the Bills, you know, it's and everybody's gonna say, Oh, Dable's this, Dable's I think he's a great play caller. Um not only that, but especially this year more so than last year, it seems like he's going out of his way to mix things up each game. Yeah. To try like to I mean you, I know teams never want to be predictable and try not to be predictable, but it's almost like he's going out of his way to not be predictable. Like I think even that first half of the Miami game, it, I they didn't look good at all offensively, but I think they were doing different things just to it was almost like uh almost like a scrimmage, almost like a varsity versus JV scrimmage in the yeah. first half. Hey, let's try this play. All right, that didn't that's all right. Hey, let's try this play. All right, that it's almost like he's sometimes against lower level teams that he kind of somewhere goes out of his way. Well, let's give him a little bit of this. We're not, you know, if we're playing Kansas City, if we're playing yeah. Green Bay, if we're playing Tampa Bay later in the year, we're not doing that. But let's try it. I wouldn't be surprised if we did that next week. Oh, absolutely, especially yeah. against a team like Jacksonville. Absolutely. Um, and it hasn't been it hasn't been like trick plays that he's trying. Right. It's just all right. Let's see uh, different formations. Yeah, let's come out of the eye more. Let's come out of you know. Uh, single back, split back, whatever. Let's let's do different formations. Yep, so, I'm I'm here for it, and I like it. And I think plus it and uh, it gives less teams um, film yeah. to see on the Bills. Exactly. You know, and I think it was interesting after the Kansas City game that uh, what was it Andy Reid who said we weren't expecting them to do a lot of the stuff that they did. Yeah, I mean consistency is key in a lot of aspects, but also. If if you're that predictable, it's not it's not going to be that hard to to beat you. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, hopefully that that's one thing about Josh that I've got to say is he can beat you in a lot of different ways right now. And it's almost like each game he's trying. He might even be trying to go out of his way to just beat you in a different way. You know, hey, if I've got to run a hundred yards a game to beat you guys, I'm gonna do, and hurdle tacklers. I'm going to do it. Yeah. If I've got to sit in the pocket and throw for 400 yards, guess what? I can do that too. If I've got to dink and dunk you to death and do this and look for uh, dink guys here, I can do that. If I've got to go constantly deep to Diggs or Sanders or whoever, I can do that too. So it's almost like, all right, if you're going to go double high safety, if you're going to drop everybody back into coverage, well, Beasley's going to have a big day today because I'm going underneath to him for 11 catches. Right. Um, and then if they're going to tighten up on him, well, Sanders, I'm going deep downfield. Who Emmanuel Sanders let no catches on Sunday. I know. I mean, well, he actually had, what, four or three or four, but they got called back because of penalties. Right. I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, I think it just it relies on your team chemistry, the trust within players, trust within coaches. You know, you can do that kind of stuff if you have that already pre-established. Oh, absolutely. It just helps the flow of it. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, teams having weapons, having weapons. Um, I think the emergence of Dawson Knox this year has been just like I mean, such a big talent. I mean, I such a, an underrated too. Where, um, and Tommy Sweeney, I think you know, did a did a decent job. He didn't kill him by any means um, Sunday, but you know, you Dawson is you missed having that extra vertical that extra vertical threat out there. Yeah, and we haven't really had like a key tight end for a while. I mean, no. Charles Clay was okay. Um, O'Leary was all right, but I mean. We haven't had like a Travis Kelsey by any means. No, 
No. Like a Rob Gronkowski. No. And I'm still not saying that Dawson Knox is is a Travis Kelsey right now or a George Kittle or a Rob Gronkowski. But you know what? The kid is way better than what he was last year. Um, And you know what? In, In this offense, that's all you needed. And he's still young, so absolutely, we we still we can still see what he has like potential wise. Yep, and I think I mean I know Cole Beasley's getting on his last, not his last legs. He's still thirty two, thirty three. Emmanuel Sanders, I feel, will be out before he will. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, um, but you got Gabe Davis, another young receiver in the yep. waiting. And I thought he wasn't called on a lot this season, but last week, you know, when they needed him, he stepped up big in in Knox's absence. Yeah, so I mean, again, season's still. We still got games, so oh yeah, it's 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 going to be exciting to see who emerges, who stays consistent, who gets called on. I'm still saying L.A. Rams, Bills in the Super Bowl. If Matt Stafford can make it to the Super Bowl, I'd be happy for him. I'd be happy for him. I'd be happy. I'll give him. I'll let him make it to the Super Bowl. I don't want to see him win a Super Bowl. Maybe maybe next year. If I see him cry, let's just say I would feel sad for him. Like I oh, would feel sure. bad. He was one where I he was I, I liked him as a player. I just always thought you're just you're in that Detroit Lions wasteland. You're stuck at Ford's Field, bro. And I feel I feel so bad that it took him. I mean, I I feel bad, but I, I mean, he still is getting millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars while he was there. But just the fact that it took him so long yeah. to get out of there. I mean that that alone, like yeah, you're making all this money and stuff, but obviously these people are competitors, so. You you want to have that kind of like winning feeling, even if like you know like all right at the end of the day I'm still getting paid. Just going through season after season after season of just losing and not even losing by like a little, by a lot. Like you're not making it to the playoffs. You know this for a fact, and you still keep losing. That alone will wear and tear on you to the point where like you look at Andrew Luck and he's like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he was on an Indianapolis team that was you really know, bad. Well, the, the couple of years, but they were they made the playoffs. They had a couple. They did, they did make it a couple times. They made it, I, do I think three, four that. years out of there. But still, like that yeah. could be Trevor Lawrence. That's what I was just gonna say. Is is Trevor Lawrence? Could he potentially be the next Matt Stafford? Where he hangs on? What is Stafford last year? Nine years, ten years in yeah. Detroit. Is he gonna hang on there nine, ten years? Put up numbers because Stafford always put up the numbers. People oh, yeah. fail to forget, um, but just doesn't not have a, win. Doesn't have a team around him that can get him somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if he does, I commend him on his loyalty. Like Matt Stafford, I commend him on his loyalty for staying there and not wanting to leave as fast as he did. Um, but still, it's kind of unfair, and I feel bad, especially for like that amount of talent. It's just a waste and. I could definitely see why they would call it quits early in their career. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, so that's us. We'll, uh, we'll conclude our coming in hot before this turns into just an NFL show because I could, I could sit here and rip it off for hours. You're doing pretty good, by the way. <laughs> I was pretty impressed. Um, but uh, So, Matt, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you just got a job. What has it been now? Three weeks? Four weeks? No, I started. Two weeks? No, it's, it's longer. Yeah, it's. Been almost a month or so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you're working uh, coaching gymnastics now. Yes, I am. All right. Yeah. And you're doing it at, at uh, what studio? I do it at uh, Greater Buffalo Gymnastics. Okay. I was gonna say I didn't know. I know dances are called studios. I didn't know if gymnastics were uh, gymnastics we call studios. It a gym. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, 
Do you have any gymnastics, gymnast background? Uh, Were you a former gymnast? I was when I was five years old, and that's it. Oh, okay. So, so five years, hit your peak, and then that called it a career? From my, from my recollection, which my mom says I like to embellish stories, uh, from my recollection, they couldn't – I was really poorly behaved, I guess. I mean, granted, you put somebody uh, – put a little kid in a gym where there's like a foam pit and like trampolines everywhere. Like the kid's not going to – and I've witnessed this as a coach myself. Kids are not going to necessarily be um, – 100% attentive to you with all these distractions. So I feel like there was a mixture of the people saying that I was going to get too tall and obviously gymnastics okay, cater want to be tall. Gymnastics caters to the um more shorter people. Um and then also I think it was like that and I just was not listening. Um so I think that's why my gymnastics career was so short as it was. So you weren't the most attentive student. Um I don't think I was. <laughs> So now, how uh, how did you end up getting this the gymnastics gig that you got now? So, for most of my life, I've been working in um, part time. I've been working in food industry. Okay. So I've been working in kitchens mainly, just because, for a lack of a better word, it's it's very it's very low key. Um, especially just sitting in the kitchen, you really don't do much and not a lot is expected of you, but okay. it gets to the point where it's very like kind of repetitive and it was very late, like working late nights, especially when I work weddings and, you know, I'm getting closer to graduating college and, you know, starting being a phys ed teacher. So I was like, all right, I feel like I got to make a move to actually doing something that kind of caters to what i've been studying Something, hey, get on the resume exactly so um i found a friend who started there and she informed me that yeah they were looking for coaches i told them that i wasn't very um well equipped with my gymnastics knowledge but she said that they're more focused on if you can work with kids so if you can work with kids they can teach you the gymnastics because overall you can't expect somebody to come off the street who knows all about gymnastics but can't doesn't know about working with kids. Like you can't teach that. Like very true. So so that's what I had going for me. And it also helped that I was like, Yeah, I'm a phys ed major, so I kinda get this kind of like whole conditioning, especially um for meets and stuff like that. So that's how I got that uh this job. And you know, working with kids is always highs and lows but i'm i'm ex- i'm enjoying it right now 100 percent. very nice and what's what's the age group uh, age group so right now they have me in a bunch of different classes to see which one like fits for me the best okay so i go from working with like four and five year olds Oof. yeah Four and five year olds too. I started working with the first, like the lowest level of the teams. So that's um, I work with kids from like the youngest kid on that team is six, and the oldest kid on that team is thirteen. Wow, six to third. That's quite. That's quite a that's, big age group. That's or their age range. That's their level three boys um, competitive uh, competition team. And they've got that's like. Six-year-olds still work on the same team with a thirteen-year-old. Yeah, so so basically, if like you see a kid in like a rec class or something like that, you can and they're obviously well 
past like all their peers you can address the parents and say hey like would they want to be on the team and yeah like six is pretty young for the team and you can tell just by base like when we do practices he needs a lot more focus than all the others because you know you tell a 13 year old to do this they'll basically do it on their own with little correction six six year old He's a six-year-old, so you have to be like, you got to stay on task. You got to stay on task. You got to stay. But he can do it. It's just the mental focus is not there yet. Yeah. It's it's like you said, he's six. Exactly. So now is pretty much everybody else on the team, though, teenager, 10, 11, 12 range? Um, yeah. So I think it goes like six, eight, couple. Actually, no. I think it goes like six, eight in that range, and then 13. Okay. How, um, how many are on a team? Uh, for this team, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Good thing because Matt couldn't count higher than seven on that. So no, I could not. <laughs> hey, there's no, there's not a lot of count. Yeah, there is a lot of counting in gymnastics. That's <laughs> a lie. Um, so that's good. So, so you're with that. Like, what age? I mean, you've been there a month now. What age do you kind of? prefer do you prefer more the older guys the younger guys have you done anything older than 13 like anything in the high school ages or i have not i've witnessed obviously i've witnessed their classes and stuff and i feel like as of right now i probably would not because i'm still young so i hate teaching high schoolers because i'm so close to their age group still it can be tricky, absolutely. It, it gives it kind of it kind of throws me through a loop. The younger the kids are, the more comfortable I feel, just because like that age gap and like that authority aspect is oh, for sure is is bigger. Um, but also, I think I, I like working with like the eight to ten to thirteen year olds, just because they're still learning stuff. Like they're still learning skills that I feel like I can learn with them rather than. Coaching like 16 year olds, 17, 18 year olds that have been doing this in their entire lives. And I'm just like, what do you guys do? <laughs> yeah. So you can still kind of stay, it's easier for you to stay one step ahead of the, right. the little guys where, and you get to the older guys where it's just like, ooh, okay, um, your knowledge is way more than mine, yet I'm your coach. Exactly. So it's like basically, I'm just here to talk to your parents, talk to coaches, and do paperwork. You run the practice. <laughs> Hey, and I mean, there's still coaches um, out there now that, you know, on varsity teams for high school that pretty much their players um, run their practices. Right. Where you got a coach, uh, whether it's doesn't have the knowledge, doesn't have the skill, maybe he had a background in the game, but um, wasn't uh, isn't near as good as these these kids coming up or the kids that he's teaching, the program that he's teaching. And um you know they're running the show, and they're almost like uh, I. I know coaches out there that kind of just go to their teams and hey, you run practice today, yeah. or hey, what do you want to do? All right, and then they'll have a five ten minute conversation with their their co- or their captain. All right, girls, guys, this is what we're doing. Right, I think I think especially like in a team like a more team sport aspect like football, soccer, basketball, uh, baseball, what have you. Um, it's kind of a little easier. And more comfortable to be like, all right, if you know what you're doing, let you like run the practice with gymnastics. Since it's a team, quote unquote, team sport, even though it's it's very individualized um, and everybody's at a different everybody's working on something specifically for them. So if like say if the, the guys are doing rings and most of the routines are good, except this one person can't get this one thing. 
Like that's what they're focusing on. And it's just, I, I, I feel like to coach at a higher, like I don't think I could BS my way through that because like everybody has a specific thing they want to work on rather than one thing together. Oh, for sure. So it's like, they're like, hey, coach, could you like correct me on this? Like, what did I do wrong here? And then like, I'm like, ah, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. And it's, and especially when you get, and especially for gymnastics where these kids and their parents, they're paying, you know, it's not like a high school sport. I mean, they're paying sometimes buku bucks. Yeah. You know, you want a coach out there that, you know, knows more, at least knows more than than your child that they're they're coaching. And basically the older you are and the more you're like the older you are while you're still doing gymnastics just kind of increases the amount of commitment and where you want to go with the sport. So I mean like if you're older and you're still doing gymnastics and stuff it's clear that you want to try to get pretty far. Oh, for sure. So you want somebody that can actually get you yes. ahead. Oh, absolutely. Um and then, like you said as a team as in team sports it's a little easier to kind of you know, fake your way around it, or you know, you can say vague stuff like, "Oh, well, you know, we got to do this better, do that better." Team, team, team. Yeah. Um, where in the individual sports, it's there's not much hiding it. No, <laughs> um, not at all. And I mean, I know I've. Uh, it's funny that you say getting stuff on your resume. Every every young teacher, especially phys ed teacher, I mean, you get to a point, you know, usually by your, uh, you know, your uh, junior. You know, your sophomore, junior, junior year, even your senior year, you're like, all right, I'm going to be graduating soon. I got to get stuff on my resume. I got to coach this. I got to coach that. I got to volunteer. And a lot of times it's not in the sport that you are most comfortable with. Nope. I know for me, um, right out of college, uh, my first job, my first coaching job, I think I mentioned this before, was girls swimming and diving. I knew nothing. And still know very little about girls swimming and diving, even guys swimming and any swimming and diving. I know how to swim, um, so I was the diving coach. Um, after that, during the winter, I was the JV basketball coach. Knew the basic, you know, rules and everything about the sport. You know, basketball was. I mean, I'm five five, five six. Maybe on my tiptoe is five seven. Um, I was never. Uh, never, that was, wasn't my sport. Not to say that you can't be small and play basketball, you know, Muggsy Bogues, right. um, Spud Webb, but, uh, I was, it was just never my sport and I kind of, you know, cut my teeth on that a little bit and I was able to kind of, you know, fake my way around it to where the kids, you know, n- knew that, I, I'd like to think they at least knew that I thought I knew what I was talking about. Right. Um, and then coaching track and field. When I first started, I was a distance runner. Distance could coach distance, distance, distance. They needed a thrower's coach, and I was a thrower's coach. In fact, I still am a thrower's coach. And it that was another where it took me a couple years to really just know what I needed to know about shot put and discus. And even now on indoor with weight throw. And I'm still learning. You know, there's still a lot of coaches in this league in this section that are much more experienced, that are former throwers, um, that I'm picking up different drills, different uh, ideas from them. But for me, I it, it took me probably two, maybe even three full seasons of doing it before I could be, feel comfortable and know, all right, I can, I can get the young throwers, the first-year throwers to the next level. I can also get the experienced 
the better throwers I can get them to the sectional level. Or we had one guy, you know, come uh, one guy finished uh, seventh in sectionals. Another girl we've had finished uh, eighth and ninth in sectionals. Um, coached a couple of NFL champions. So we've gotten our throwers to the the next level. Yeah. But again, it 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 took me a while to really cut my teeth and and uh, go home and be like, oh my god, I, what am I going to do for next practice so yeah. that I don't get exposed? I know, yeah, it's it's a trial and error kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, one year I was a tennis coach, and I know you were thrown in. What was it? Two summers ago, three summers ago. Yeah, you were thrown into a tennis camp. I was thrown into a oh, one week full tennis camp with a bunch of kids that knew I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> and they asked us, they're like, what are we doing? And I was just like, we're going to play tennis. And I, credit to them, they weren't mean. I mean, they're... they're, they're now, were they, were they solid tennis players? They're eight. Oh, okay. So these were eight, still the little eight guys. Eight to ten-year-olds. But still, I mean, like, obviously, they their parents paid for a week-long tennis camp. These kids chose tennis for a reason. Sure. So it's not like they, they were forced to do it. Um, and I still wiped the court with every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have, I've never played tennis before. Like, I've, I've played recreational tennis at camp, but I never played it competitively. I never watched it. I never coached it. Nothing like that. And I remember our tennis coach at camp this year is a former teacher of mine from high school. And obviously when I bring my student, when I had to bring my campers there, we'd have to participate. And he'd always be like, how do you know, like how to play tennis? Like you should have played tennis. And I was just like, I never played tennis. Apparently I know what I'm doing. I just can't, you know, I don't, I can't tell people. It's the same thing with music. I'm a very good music person. Like I can sing. I can't tell you how to read it though. Oh no. And in fact, no, I, I, first of all, for the record, I can't sing a lick. Well, I can sing. Everybody can sing. I'm just not good. But uh, no, one of our, uh, one of my buddies of mine, uh, Vinny, in high school, he was a brilliant drummer. Like, could go on that just was absolutely brilliant on the drums. But if you asked him, you know, well, what's this beat? What's that? Like, he did not, and I don't even think to this day, does not know how to read music. Yeah. Like, he just goes out there. He's the type of person he'll listen to the beat. He'll listen to it in his headphones. Listen to whatever the the song that he's supposed to be playing supposed to sound like. And he'll go out there and mimic it. I mean, he knows what you know what everything's supposed to sound like, where he's supposed to hit. But he could not, and he was he was drumming since you know all throughout high school. I don't know if he did it afterwards, but I think he started in back in like fourth grade. Yep. You know, fourth, third, fourth grade, whenever you could pick the instruments, and he was brilliant, but couldn't read any bit of music. I know. In I, fact, I think our music teachers, the band teachers, just got like, all right. Vinny, here you go. Just go do your thing. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think it goes with, like, both, like, music and, like, coaching. Like, if if your coach, like, all right, say, like, they don't know. Like, if you ask a person, like, okay, you just did this, which is good. You did it correctly. Can you tell me what you did? Like, wh- like how you did that? And they can't. It comes to the point where, like, fine, okay. They don't know how to explain this. They don't know exactly what they're doing, but they're doing it correctly, and they can do it consistently. Yeah. Go for it. That's just it. Like you, you put the trust in the kid. And my 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 singing teacher at Geneseo told me he texted me on my phone while I was sitting in my dorm. He said, "Hey, I need you to teach this person." We had a new kid in our choir, and he 
he he was like, I need you to teach him our music. And I said, why? And he was like, because he is a Japanese foreign exchange student who knows no English. And I was just like, I can't, I can't read, I can't teach music, let alone translate it to Japanese. So I, what I basically told him is like what your friend Vinny did is like all I do is I go online, find the piece, find my part, listen to it, listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. And then at the point where I have to, I can mimic it perfectly to the point where it's like it shows that I know what I'm doing. So that's what I taught this kid to do. And it worked. And it worked. So if, you, if anything, if you have a kid in like soccer or something that can't physically tell somebody what they should do, be like teach them how to do it just by doing it yourself or like how you learned it yeah yeah so it's like if the, if like just do it and then have them mimic you don't even explain what you have to do visualize it that's a beautiful thing about sports is it visually as well you can kind of pick up on stuff oh absolutely and that's you know and i think a lot of the a lot of the sports too is kind of you know, for me in soccer, too, a lot of it was trial by error. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm going to make this. Nope, that's not going to work. I'm going to try dribbling it. Nope, that's not going to work. You know, I've got to work to the right, to the left, whatever. And, all right, across here, you know, playing aggressive, whatever. It's, you know, you look at some of your players, especially, you know, you look at the, the pro players or uh, other high school players when you're younger or college players, you know, and you kind of, Develop your own style. Yeah, I know. For me, you know, I'd watch uh, a lot of the fast guys or fast forwards on there. But like, I'm not slow, but I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm. I'm fast at all. So I learned very on. I can't just get by a guy and and use my blazing speed. Got to use your footwork to get the breakaway. I've got to use more of my footwork, or I've got to be the guy that's going to you know go out, get the ball, and make a quick pass, get it back, something like that. I've got to be more of the setup guy. Um, or I'm going to look to, all right, let me how, – how am I going to get by you, but how am I going to get by you where I can create space to stay by, stay by you because I know if I, cut, if I give you too much time, you're going to catch up to me. Yeah. I mean I taught myself basically how to curl the soccer ball by watching people and be like, all right, if they're getting the spin on the ball, how are they kicking it? And then I just watched them slowly kick a ball, and I was like, oh, that's how you curl it. Like, oh, yeah. If somebody tried to tell me that, probably wouldn't have gotten it. Yep. But, but it's just like, you know. Now, I remember early on, especially, I think it was seventh grade, sixth grade, seventh grade or whatever, playing soccer, um, I started getting big into watching – well, I was always big into watching the World Cup, but I would specifically watch the Italian teams and kind of the international play and the right. diving and the falling down. And I, oh, remember, I I had my – I think it was – I got sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. Um, it wasn't, wasn't uh, in high school sports yet, so it was probably sixth grade where I started the – you know, somebody got near you, you felt something, you'd fall to the ground, oh, get a card, you'd fall here, you'd get a – and I just – and I had to have a coach – I think it was three or four games into it, into that season, where he comes. Hey, listen, are you? Do you want to go into the drama club? Like, what do you mean? He's like, well, stop acting. He's like, that's not how you play the game. He's like, we're not acting here. We're not trying to. Get, if somebody trips you, you go down. If they don't, you don't pretend. Right. So I mean, I and I had to learn as a little kid. Well, you know, that's not. It's not always the best way to play. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it is what it is, and I think you can watch sports. You can watch your favorite sport. You can help. It can definitely benefit you, 
but also you don't want to, especially if you're a young learner and you're a young person in you the sport. You can pick up some bad habits. You can pick up a lot of bad habits that as a coach you should try to like – if you're coaching a sport, especially if you're passionate about it, you should also like watch it professionally, stay up on it. especially. So if you see a young kid doing something, you visually can see like, okay, I know what they're trying to imitate. That's not what you want here. So yep, no, and and thankfully I had a coach who was able to to do that, or you know what I could have been, I was pretty good at it, but I could have been a, a terrific diver. Right. I mean, I was. And don't get me wrong. There is, there. I don't want to say this to say this, but there is times that you gotta sell it a little bit. I mean, I never, since I played goalkeeper, I never was in that situation mm. to be dive i mean i dove but it wasn't like i was going for a foul like i was diving for a ball like my goal was not to like oh my gosh everybody look at me my goal was to, like i'm gonna take this kid's foot out and i hope he falls hard like that was my kind of diving but when i was younger especially when i was really younger and like coach like playing just like a uh, house league or something i remember my dad I was always trying to find an excuse to fly on the ground. Not because, like, I wanted, like, sympathy, but, like, I thought it looked cool. Like, and I wasn't trying to, like, I wasn't trying to uh, pull a foul or anything either. It's just, and my dad would always say, I could hear him scream from the sidelines. I can hear him now. He was like, stop falling. Get up. You don't need to be on the ground all the time. So as I got older and I would not do that anymore, but like genuinely fall, I would still hear him say, get up, stop falling. You don't need to fall all the time. Oh, yeah. Even as a younger, like a real younger kid, I remember, you know, grades two, three, whatever, playing uh, house league soccer. I, especially when I learned really about how to slide tackle, I went through probably a good year or two years where I would slide tackle everything. There'd be nobody within 10 yards of the ball, and I'd slide tackle the ball when it's not being touched by anybody. Yep. Um, I just love slide. But again, I had to have coach be like, listen, Larry, slide tackling is fantastic. We don't need to do it all the time. It should be almost like a last resort. If you get beat, if you have no other, then you can go in for a slide tackle. You had to learn the proper ways how to slide tackle. You know, you're not going in cleat up to hurt anybody. Um, but no, when I found out, when I found out we can slide, I mean, I was, I spent probably a good, you know, year just slide tackling everything. Gosh. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is your favorite slash funniest house league soccer story? Something that I did or, okay. So it would have like as a coach. Well, all right. So as a player. So it doesn't have to be – I mean, it could involve you directly or it could involve the team or the game that you were playing in. Hmm. Because um, it's house league. It's, it is it's, house it's league. It's bound to have funny moments. Oh, for sure. Um, I remember this was – it was either my first or second year doing soccer. So probably first grade, second grade. We were – I did the travel league – or not the travel league, sorry, the house leagues – up at Fort Niagara. Okay. Um, and we were still on the, you know, the the real little nets. Um, so it was nothing like that. And I just remember we were we had a really good team that year. And um, we were on, I don't even know if we had a name. We just played by color. So we yeah. were the we were like the turquoise or green team or light green team or whatever. Were you like the Timbits or like? No, it was. This was before like even Timbits like that. Oh, okay. I mean, we had parents, you know, bring like orange slices and stuff like that. But yeah, I guess age wise, yeah, it'd be like the Timbits. So, okay. Yeah. So, well, like very young, very young. First grade. So I'm thinking like six years old, seven yep. years old, something like that. 
Um, I just remember it was it was a game where I remember playing the quote unquote other unbeaten team. Oh, Not that anybody really kept records, but yeah. we had a couple parents on our teams that would tell us, well, this team is this, this team is that, this team is you guys haven't. And of course, me as a little kid, I'm always counting scores. I'm like, well, we got one. They got nothing. We got two. We got, you know, and we'd get the coaches, you know, they wouldn't tell us who won, who won, but yeah. we're like, I'd be that kid. No, we got five. They got three. We win. You know, or we had lost. So I think we were undefeated going into this quote-unquote other undefeated match. And just remembering I had like a, a breakaway or whatever going on the net and just getting slid tackled from behind or, or broken down. I don't know if it was slid tackled or whatever, but I just remember falling. And just getting up and just kind of looking and then just going back down. And I don't know why I went back down. Like, I didn't grab anything. I didn't cry. I just, like, got up yep. and just went back down. And play kept on going at the other end. So the referee didn't – I mean, they had, like – it was referees, but also volunteer referees. Plays going on at the other end. And I kind of just looking, like, looking around, but like, wait a minute. Do I stay down? Do yeah. I get back up? Do I – what do I – like, usually – whistle's blown by now and i just i don't know just just <laughs> chaos so i think i just ended up staying there i just kind of stayed there until the play came back at my end and when the ball got near me i popped right back up yep. got the ball and i shot it on that whatever <laughs> even uh, though you're probably clearly offside oh i'm sure i was offsides and a half but <laughs> but uh no just sitting there the ball you know i fell wasn't hurt just sitting there ball coming back from the other end and all right got up. it just kind of kept going i love house league soccer so much it's fantastic i coached it for only two one two years yeah and it was so much fun coaching it's so fun. it's so much fun because it's the first year i mean that was the first thing i coached as an 18 year old i coached um at niagara pioneer i coached their i think it was u10 team u8 team u8 because i think they were still in the little nets and it was so much fun because you're – you don't care about the wins. You don't care about – you're just looking to like, all right, just, you know, try a header. Yeah. Try a volley. Yeah. Try, you know, don't be afraid. Trap it with your chest. Don't be afraid. It's going to hit you. It's going to hurt. Don't be afraid. And it, it was just so much fun. It is. It's fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. And I'm not going to lie. I still was that coach. But, like, you know, when we'd have games, like, all right, guys, we won. Or, all right, guys, we lost. Oh, I I <laughs> – I, would clearly like the parents of the team that I coached. I would always make sure to make a point that I was just like, we won by a lot. And I would tell the student, I would tell the kids, I was like, that team was undefeated. Actually, no, we won, we we're undefeated, we didn't lose, but we also tied one. And we tied the one game I couldn't make it, and I had my dad coach for me instead. <laughs> uh, that was the one time we tied and my dad texted me the record or like texted me the thing and I was just like really? I was like we would win by 10 goals every game and the one game I have you coach we don't even make 10 and we tie uh, I love it now it was funny at, at park school they have like they had uh, inner uh, 
you know, going against different schools or whatever, they played as low as uh, fourth, fourth, fifth, sixth grade soccer. Sorry, third, fourth, fifth grade soccer. Against we, other schools? Oh, against other schools. We played a lot of Catholic schools. So it was a park school, and then we would play like St. Greg's, okay. St. Chris, um, some other different schools. Nativity, I think, was another school we played. Um, and I coached that for, for two or three years. And Park had enough kids where uh, we would we would split the teams up where we had we probably had about 40 or 50 kids. Oh, wow. So we would um, – another gentleman, uh, Chris Downey, he would take – um, we would all practice together, but he would have a team of like eighteen twenty. I would have a team of like eighteen twenty. We would divide them up, and then we would have our seasons. And it was, it was great because I mean they played like at the end of the year they had what was called the coaches cup. So they kept standings all season long. There was probably, I want to say in the league there was sixteen twenty teams, wow, something like that. I mean it, it was a decent team. And at the end of the year, like they would seed you in the tournament. You know, you'd come in as the top seed, the bottom seed, whatever. And, you know, the top seeds played lower seeds. If you were a, a top, top seed, like there were a couple times. We usually had a pretty good team. There was a couple times we had a bye going into the second round. Um, and we would always make at least the uh, semifinals, uh, quarter semis. Um, but it would get some of the parents. I mean, they would get brutal yeah like they would get into it i'm not gonna lie i there i got into it i mean i got i got i wanted to win we all wanted to win you know we had a lot of times we had very good teams um my team never won it we ended the highest my team we went undefeated one year and then we got bounced out in the semifinals i think um i was bummed that year because my starting player for the tournament my best player in the year, um, he ended up, him and his family were on vacation during the Coaches Cup, so I was not happy about that. But whatever, we still made it to the semis. Um, the, our, our school, Park, won it once. It was uh, my year that we got bounced in the semis. Uh, Chris Downey, his team, um, made it to the finals and won. And it was still, it was one of those where, you know, I'm, I'm his assistant coach. When it's his team, he's mine. Yeah. So it was still fun, but it was just to see... The, those little kids and the one year, the the year that they won it, um, they were I think their semifinal game, they were in a shootout. You know, went to overtime or whatever, so they're in a shootout. So just seeing these little kids, you know, just and the goaltender being in that shootout, who's you know like fourth grade or something, yeah. and these and they were just they were totally invested. They were living and dying by every shot. I mean, of course, you had the kids that would miss the shot, that would cry a little bit, or sometimes a lot of bit, and it was just, it was so much fun. I mean, some of my, some of my best times were coaching those teams. Oh yeah, because it was fun. Yeah, I just love the fun atmosphere of house soccer. It's it's like yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not super competitive. I mean, it is super. It's competitive, competitive, but it's a different kind of competition. It is. It is. It's like, and it's different between like playing and coaching. Like, obviously, like, if you play house league, but you played, like, a more competitive league outside of it, you were there for mostly fun, but you were still having, like, you were still playing the sport that you like, and then coaching it, you're just like, I'm just here for fun. Oh, yeah. And it almost takes you back. I know for me, a lot of times, it took me back to when I was playing Little Kid House League, or when I was playing U10 Travel, or whatever. It takes you back to when you're just, some of these guys, some of these kids were, again, we always had pretty good teams, some of them have been playing for a lot of years. Some of them were just 
hey, I'm here because my friend's here. Yeah. You know, and it was – you had a great combination. And, like, sometimes you'd experience, like, kids who – never played the sport but they came because their friend was there and then you realize like this kid's really good and then like you oh, could yeah. try to spark that kid to progress on oh for sure you definitely find some diamonds in the rough yeah, yeah. um and then you know it's always great when you get the kid who uh, and we especially at that age we we you know we didn't just all right here's our 11 starters and you guys are riding them no we got everybody in yeah. playing time we rotated them in uh pretty evenly but it, you, it's always, it's always great when you get that kid, who you know this is probably he's probably not going to make his high school team. He's probably not going to, definitely not playing college. Yeah. You know, he might, he might if he gets lucky, max out at a JV level. But they get into those games and they'll score a goal, even if it's the worst, ugliest goal in the world. Like the kid, you know, bounced off his head or just barely dribbled in. Just seeing how excited oh, yeah. and enthusiastic they are, and you know they'll run around and they'll do their celebration or whatever. It's it's awesome. Those I I never really I probably I could probably count my total career goals on two hands. Really? Yeah. Well, I was I mean. When I, it, when push came to shove, I played goalkeeper. So obviously, I yeah, wasn't in the strong position, Very anyways. True. But like, especially in house league and stuff, I just was not. I picked a weird time to start lifting weights and stuff because I did that well out of my like playing sport career. So like at that point, it's just like I'm doing it for my own benefit. But like, if I actually did that when I was playing sports, it would have probably upped my game because it would have made me a better like a. Uh, uh, a bigger player on the field than just the kid that I was. <laughs> but I would always, I I remember I kicked a girl in the face. And so the way Clarence is set up is Oof, like. That, 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 that's the way, that's, you'd never want to store, start a story that way. But like, and so I remember one time I kicked a girl in the face. Well, it, it, <laughs> that's just part of the story. Um, oh, it gets better. I don't know if it gets better, but so the way Clarence has it set up, like in house league, like you start off with the little kids, little field, no goalies, no net, like small nets, and then you progressively go up to like a full size soccer field. Yeah, and then after that, like once you're getting closer to graduating high school, they progress you back down to like the middle range of the soccer fields, so you are bigger kids playing on a smaller field because. They're like, all right, we're gonna make this more fun. So like, it's shorter. It's a shorter field. So obviously, like, you could score from half if you really wanted to. You could score from half into the top corner without it trying to like touching the ground. Um, So this was like, I think my last year ever playing, and obviously a bunch of like the people who played soccer um, at a higher level would play house league just for fun. So we all were like of that skill. Yeah, and. I remember, like, I just could, I was hitting corner, post, bar, bar, whatever, just not going into the net. And I would always, like, get more and more aggravated. And I remember the girl, her dad was the coach, like, was our coach. And her mom was always on the sideline with all the other parents. Like, she was very vocal. She was very, like, encouraging of everybody on the team. And I would, every time I'd miss, I'd be like, oh, come on, or like something like that. And then so I drill this ball, and she turns around and gets kicked right in the face. And I, I felt so bad. 
And like everybody's like, oh, like you hear like the collective awe over like everybody. And I, I, we all ran. I was like, are you good? And like, we didn't, she didn't even stop the play. She's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Later on, <laughs> later on, I really don't think it was me. I think it was somebody else, but they were trying to clear the ball. It kicked her again, right in the face. <laughs> in the same game. And then, but there's this, again, she did not stop play. She was a trooper. But I was like, all right, here's how that looks on paper. I've missed every shot I've taken. It hasn't gone in. I've kicked the coach's daughter in the face, maybe more than once, and I'm still on the field. Finally get a goal, and I'm just like, thank you. And I walk over, and I'm like, coach, you can take me out now because I'm not doing any more damage. But, like, just that – I feel like that experience alone would never happen in a like in either like like college uh, travel or like high school. I don't feel like that kind of environment is. I mean, it could, but I think it's very very rare. Yeah, compared to like a house league where like you go in and you're like somebody's probably gonna cry today, somebody's gonna try to do something stupid, and I'm just gonna be okay with it no matter what. Oh, for sure. Because <laughs> it's a Saturday morning, and I want to go home. And a lot of times, it's usually more the latter, where somebody does something stupid. And either usually gets embarrassed or hurt because <laughs> yep. they tried something stupid. Yeah. I know for me, one time, uh, this was travel, and I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but I tried a bicycle kick. Oof. And when I mean tried, I mean afterwards I had to t- – it was so bad I had to tell people that I was trying a bicycle kick because they couldn't figure out from whatever I did that I tried to do a bicycle kick. It looked like – it looked like – you know how you get those old school cartoons where you slip on the banana peel and they just go straight on their back? Yeah. That's pretty much what it looked like when I attempted my one and only – bicycle kick it was just it was just bad uh-uh i think i was it was probably like 13 14 so freshman year of high school yeah um it was a uh it was a tournament but we were it was an early round we were already up probably like three four nothing i mean at halftime was all right let's just go through the rest of the motions yeah <laughs> and um i probably should have went through some other motions instead of a bicycle kick but uh after that i think like five minutes later i was like all right Coach, I'm 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 good. I'm gonna. I played it off as I'm just gonna save myself for the next round. Yeah. Oof. Oh, jeez. I was. Just, I wasn't hurt. I was just. You're, well, you're, physically wasn't hurt. Your pride was pride. Hurt. I was like, oof. <laughs> pride was a little bruised. <laughs> um, I remember playing a travel a travel game, and the team that I was on was consisted of a lot of small people, like small as in. Not a lot, like, I think, like, big, like, built-wise and small as in, like, short as well. So we had, like, very thin, stocky people and very short, stocky people. And um, I remember we were playing this very aggressive, I think it was, like, a South Buffalo team. And um, we were home, and they were body-checking, like, the smaller kids, like, straight Uh. into the the audience like so like say like they're playing like a ball on the sideline they would body check them and get them off the ground 
into people. Jeez. <laughs> and I remember I was on the other side of the field and the late a mom stands up. I'm pretty sure it was a mom from the home team. I don't know whose parent it was, but a mom stands up and screams like at this kid. She's like, "You need Jesus." <laughs> and I was just like, "All right. Like, our, like this is we were we were losing by a lot, and I think the kid, the mom, was just sick of seeing like body, like hockey style ice checking in a soccer game. But um, but uh, I definitely feel like that kid, whosoever mom it was, his pride was ruined for the rest of the game. Because I think my coach even addressed it afterwards. Was like, whose mom thought it was a great idea to stand up and scream? <laughs> And I don't think anybody owned up to it either, but I think we all knew. I was gonna say, if you see the kid that's like looking away, it's probably it's probably that person. Like we knew who said it, so all we had to do was just wait to see who went home with that person. <laughs> I'd love it. No, that's where I would have been like, oh no, no, yeah, who who said it? Yeah, who's <laughs> who who was it? Yeah, it's that crazy lady over there. Is that your mom? No, no, never no. seen her. Never seen her before. Stepmom. Stepmom. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh and it's it's just different. Diff- the, uh, and you, like you said, even when you're when you're at the varsity level or when you're at that higher level and you kind of take a step back whether it's a Sunday fun league or whatever, um you get together with those guys and y- usually Somebody, like you said, somebody's either getting hurt or somebody's getting embarrassed. Yeah. Sometimes it, it goes Sometimes hand both. in hand. Yeah. But. but yeah, and in in theory, you'd like to think, well, all right, I'm just doing this league to hone my skills. No, no you're, you're not. not. You're doing it you're because doing it to goof around. You want to do things that you have no, like you don't have the guts to try in your actual. Or or you don't play professionally any like like competitively anymore, and this is your only outlet. So you're just like, I'm going. All the all the way into this. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of that, now did you ever have leagues? Well, you might be you might be still a little too young for this, but I know for me, um, you know, I after high school, you know, blew out the knee in college and play in college. Um, you know, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five. I'd get into that, you know, get onto that first men's league or whatever. Or yeah, I've still got it. I've still got it. I haven't played this game in six years, but I've still got it. And you go out there, and you don't embarrass yourself, but you're just like, ooh, kind of forgot. Not forgot how to do that, but kind of uh, got schooled there a little bit. Kind of uh, the ball isn't really going exactly where I want it to go. There's a lot yeah. more running in this game than I yeah, thought. Yeah, like, ooh, did, you know, did we have timeouts? There's timeouts in <laughs> soccer, right? Um, but it's just you get, even if it's two, three, four years out of that, out of playing, yeah. you're just like, Ooh, that's a that's a little rough. Yeah, that's a little rough. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't, I don't know. I haven't played, I haven't played organized soccer in like I don't know, like seven years. Um, the only thing I ever do now is play kickball, and alone, I'd go too hard at that. And <laughs> every every other like every day, I wake up the next morning, and I'm just like, why am I so sore? I'm <laughs> just like, that's right. I play kickball and I go so hard because I don't do anything else with my life that and I was just like and I always tell my girlfriend, I was just like, I'm so old and she's like, You're not old, you're twenty three. I was like, No, 
I'm old. It's just like, you know, you're old when you take your cleats off and your feet hurt and you kind of just want to lay there and you're just like, I just, I, I just, I'm just too tired to breathe. <laughs> Matt's going to be that guy in his like 40s, 50s, or his kid. Hey, dad, why are you limping? Uh, kickball injury. Kick- Back in 2021. I know today, today um, in one of my classes, I play a game, I do a game in sports class, and obviously we play games in the class. Like perk of being a phys ed teacher, uh, phys ed student is you get to play games. You get to play games as your classes, but um, we were playing a basket. Oh, we were doing rugby. I'm sorry, we were doing rugby, and um, I was running around, and all of a sudden, I just like pulled something in my like in my ankle, and I was like, I can't. I gotta sit down. And my teacher's like, What happened? And I was like, Oh, it's a pre-existing injury. And she's like, Oh, she's like from a sport. I'm like, Yeah. And she's like, What sport did you play? And I was like, I played soccer. But this from uh, this was from uh, rec league kickball three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, she's like, you're kidding me. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not. I wish I, I wish I was. At, at least it wasn't an old ping pong injury. I, I can't play ping pong. I, well, everybody can play ping pong, but it's. I get too, I, I get too aggravated, and then I just start want to spiking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm the guy that, like you said, one or two volleys, and then I'll try to not even. I don't know if it's spiking or whatever. I'll try to smash it, like to hit the end of the table, and it just goes like. 30 feet past the table. Yep. And then there goes the whole format of like a regular game. And then you're just like, okay, so if I hit it here and it bounces off the wall there, then you got to hit it back. Like, that, And then it just becomes how long can we play a made up game before we break the ball? Or then you're playing, then you're playing doubles with somebody yep. and whether they're good or you are not, you're just like nudging them off. No, it's mine. Yeah. No, it's mine. You end up fighting with your teammate. Yeah, and then you just, I, give me your, give me your paddle. I'll do, I'll use both. <laughs> And then and then you're just like, look, I'm dual wielding, and then who knows what happens. <laughs> we always like my phys ed teachers always be like, you can play ping pong if you want, and I was just like, nobody plays ping pong. Like, I mean, there are some, but they're very few of people who actually play ping pong for ping pong. They'll just go there, hold the paddles when the teacher comes by, hits the ball. Yeah. If not, the paddles are there. See, I'm playing, I'm playing, yeah. and just end up talking. I was like, where, how long, how, and like these paddles look in good condition, and like you look at it, it's like 1964. Oh, yeah. Like nobody uses these. <laughs> I was like, out at, like you can't keep a football for more than two years, but you can keep a ping pong paddle, paddle since 64 when my dad was born? Vintage. 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 I was just so. I mean, I mean, as a phys ed teacher, soon to be, I was like, I guess I just need to invest in like one good set of ping pong paddles. Scratch Absolutely. that right off the budget. I was say you, you you buy them once, you buy them for life. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get into our hot seat questions. We're gonna kind of do this off the fly because I know I kind of. Didn't come up with all that many questions. So feel free to jump in with some hot seat questions if you have one. I'm going to put you on the spot with the first one. Hot seat question number one. Um, In fact, Halloween was just this Sunday. Scariest Halloween, I guess what you call it, bad guy, villain, bad guy, I think more. Scariest Halloween uh, bad guy. Kind of mean like a horror movie kind of thing? Like a horror movie kind of thing. Uh, Pennywise. Pennywise. Which one was that? It. Ah, new, new, new Pennywise. New Pennywise. Okay. Not the um, not the guy who had the uh, who was from Rocky Horror Show. The guy who had the stroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. 
Um, not him. He doesn't look scary. Like the oh, that Pennywise doesn't look scary. This one does. This one ruined me. Okay. So new. I was gonna say I haven't seen the new one. Like, and I don't have a phobia against clowns, but this one ruined me. All right. So new Pennywise. I I I got that. I have I haven't seen. Like I said, I haven't seen the new one. I've seen the the old one. But what is the, his name? Um, the actor. Yeah. From I, the old Pennywise, like from the old it. Oh, I have no idea. I can't remember. I'll find out. Well, look, that's what Google's for. That is what Google's for. Um, for me, I'm going to go... Um, I don't know why. Michael Myers. Really? Always just <laughs> scared the the crap out of me, especially as a kid. Maybe it was just because he really he didn't say anything. It was just more of that menacing walk or that menacing look or whatever. Um I mean, I could have said. I guess as a kid, it was more like Freddy Krueger, but uh, I'll say I'll say either Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers. If I had to choose, though, I'd say I'd say Michael Myers. All just right. and again, more more of the. He seems like the easiest guy to get away from because he doesn't really he run. Just kind of walk. He does. He just kind of walks. So but he's, you can't kill him. No, you can't kill him. And for whatever reason, you could run fifty miles, and next thing you know, you turn around and he's. Right behind you. Well, you could run 50 miles and like, or you you could fly to Florida. Say you're up here in Buffalo and you fly to Florida and he will walk all the way to Florida. So eventually he will find you. He's like the little killer that could. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I, uh, I, I mean, I never watched any of those movies, but I just, I, there's a video game that you could play for. It's, it's basically like you're at the summer camp. Oh, Okay. And um, well, no, the summer camp was Jason. That's Jason. I'm that's sorry. Jason. Never mind. I get those two serial killers mixed up all the time. You know, which what? very, very similar, I guess. Leatherface. Leatherface also was pretty scary to me. That was the one with the chainsaws. Yeah, right? okay. Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, that one. That one really scared me too. Also, it's Tim Curry played mm. the original It in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, I have his face like ingrained in my fu- in my eyes. Um, yes. Okay. Um, all right. But yeah, that's uh, so. I figured we'd have a little first first conversation there, or first question with uh, horror movies, horror related, because we talked about cost- Halloween costumes last time. Did we? I think we did. Didn't we? What was? Oh yeah, of- yeah, yeah. We did. We did. Favorite Halloween costume? Yeah. I had the Lady of the Evening. <laughs> the la- oh gosh, I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> All right. That's another one. Um, let's see. Question number two. Um, and again, I, I will stay on the Halloween theme for now. Um, and I don't know if we did this last week either, but we'll do it again. Whatever. It's Halloween time. Favorite. And I guess this kind of goes in the, the same genre, but favorite, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a scary movie, but favorite Halloweenish type or even just this type of movie. Like for me, I'm going to go. In fact, I just watched it, uh, on Sunday. Um, the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I, I, I listen, don't, don't, don't judge. Don't judge. I love it. Every year, I love it. Um, now, I'm, I'm, I'm ticked that it's only on Apple TV or Apple whatever. It's not on they, public television? No. Apple TV bought it last year. Wow. I so know. So that means the Christmas special is not even going to be on there. I don't think so. Either that or they're just going to play it once, and that's it. That's ridiculous. But uh, So, yeah, I was not happy about that. But, no, The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, I love it. That's that's my I guess we'll call this question uh autumn or halloween traditions. All right. That that's one of mine. 
I guess, I guess, well, mine kind of doubles for two different holidays. Mine's the Nightmare Before Christmas. I love Tim Burton movies. So I watch it, obviously, during Halloween. I watch it with my girlfriend. And then I also watch it when I decorate my Christmas tree. Okay. Because, again, it it has that dual kind of... I was going to say, yeah. All right. So now, would you consider it a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? I consider it a Christmas movie. I okay. consider more of like Corpse's Bride or something, another Tim Burton movie, as more of a Halloween one, just because it kind of has like that more spooky-ish vibe to it. Okay. But um, I I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas is an automatic for me. All right. I could see that. Now, this kind of leads me, it just made me think of a third question. That we, we're going to go with this for question number three. Die Hard, Christmas movie or not? I say it's a Christmas movie. I agree. I say it's a Christmas. I say it's a Christmas movie on steroids. Yeah. I mean, it takes place in Christmas in in Takanami. Tak, what is it? Taka, Takanami Plaza. Maybe. But it takes place at Christmas time. I mean, definitely not Christmas themed at all. No, I think the only thing ha- that it has going for him is that it takes place during during Christmas. Christmas. Time. Everything else is not Christmas related at all. So does it, it? Now that leads to the question: Does it? Is it a Christmas movie just because it takes place during Christmas? Is that the only reason? Or is it more of just your typical action hero movie and it's not a Christmas movie at all? Um, I think that's the beauty about it. You can watch it whenever, but it still applies. Like, you can watch it in August, but, like, you don't watch Elf in August. You can watch Die Hard. You can watch Die Hard in August, and you can also watch it in December. So yes, Very I true. Can, I consider it a Christmas movie because you can watch it. You can watch it, like you said, a Christmas movie on steroids, which allows you to watch it in other kind of months. But you can still watch it in Christmas, and like you still kind of get that, like, oh, it's like it's like kind of around the same time that we're in right now. Very true. Very true. Plus, um, it's a lot more entertaining than Elf is, especially if you go to a public school because that ruins Elf for you. Going to a public school ruins Elf? Because during almost coming up to Christmas break, every teacher shows that movie. Very true. So if you have like a nine-period day, you can watch the entire movie. If you go from first period to second period and just tell them, I stopped here, and then you can keep going and then just do that throughout your day. I'm telling you, that was was the worst. And even as a teacher or whatever, um, you get to the holidays or whatever, even as – when I was teaching a couple, uh, I don't teach health this year, but I've t- taught health classes in the past. You know, the the last day or two days or three days or whatever, or even that last week before Christmas. Um, you know, if everything, if all the work's up to date and everybody's doing well, you'll pop in a movie. And can I tell you, as a teacher, how annoying it is when you have three periods. You've got to watch the beginning part of the movie. Then, when period two comes in, you got to go back to the beginning. Watch the beginning part of the movie. Yeah. Then when the third period comes in, you got to go back, watch the beginning part of the movie, then do it again the next day, then do it again because it usually takes you about three days, to sometimes even four nowadays with the movies to get through it. But you're, it's just like, all right, what? Uh, all right, starting. Uh, and it's, it's just as a teacher, it's frustrating, especially if like number one, 
yeah, so after first after first period of showing the movie, you're just going to watch it. And like, you're like, okay, cool. The next three periods, you're on your phone or doing whatever else just because you've already seen it. Or if you show the same movie every year, you turn it on for the first period, you walk out of the room. <laughs> no, as a teacher, I'm putting in a movie. I mean, you want to keep it themed, and you obviously want to make it age-appropriate. But I'm watching a movie that I actually want to watch or haven't seen in years. Like, I'll change it up. I'll throw in – sometimes I'll throw in a Home Alone. Other times I'll throw in a Frozen. I'll throw in an Elf. I'll throw in, you know, whatever, as long as it's appropriate for the different age group that I'm that I'm that teaching that year. But, no, I'll try to make it every year. I'm like, no, this is a movie that – All right. It, it's, it's – I know you guys will like it, but I'm watching it because I want to watch exactly, it too. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I think I, I've created what you just said. I think I have uh, our fourth question. All right, bring it. What's your favorite Home Alone? Ooh. Oh, you got to go number one, the first yeah? one, the original. Lost I, in New York? No, no, no. no that was number two. That was, that number, was two. number two. That was number two. No, you got to go with the original. Um, I didn't really like the Lost. How many? They had Home Alone original, Lost in New York, and then they had a third one, but it wasn't with it was not Culkin? no it was a different one okay but so that one kind of reverted back to the first premise where they were just stuck at the house oh is that what it was yeah. i was going to say i didn't watch i didn't watch the third one but i knew it wasn't with Macaulay Culkin but no i loved the first one really i loved it i thought especially as a little kid watching it cuz i think it came out in 89 90 close yeah. somewhere around there um and in fact I don't know if you've if you've seen the Netflix where they do the behind the scenes or the the movies that made us. Yeah, yeah. They do a great one of of um, Home Alone where they talk about like uh, all the stuff behind the scenes, like how it almost literally got shut down and wasn't made. At, and it like it's just if you got time, watch it at Netflix. How uh, the movies that make us or movies that made us. Yeah. Do the Home Alone special, just dealing with Joe Pesci, how they literally had to create. His own reza frezza reza frezza language because he was just so used to swearing right from like all the like mob movies and stuff. So that's what that was all the reza like they basically made him almost like a real life version of Yosemite Sam. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) But good question. All right, so we're on the last one, number five. Matt, do you have anything for us? I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot by asking you the question. Do you have a question? Um, all right, I got one. This one, I mean, all right, so this one's kind of like a two-parter. First off, favorite Thanksgiving tradition, like something, like it could be like, um, which could incorporate like going Black Friday shopping, stuff like that, because I consider that a Thanksgiving tradition. And, And like, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Are we are we counting turkey or are we leaving turkey? Minus turkey. That's kind of minus turkey say, and mashed like turkey. potatoes and stuff like. Kind of try to really think of something unique or something that's not like the mainstream. Okay, um, it could be a dessert. As far as Thanksgiving traditions, I mean, um, yeah, the Black Friday. I mean, we always went to. Uh, we would either go to our aunt's house or my mom's house or somebody in the family would host Thanksgiving dinner. Um, uh, I guess. The occasional, you know, you'd get the split where some people would go Black Shop Friday shopping, others would stay depending on the year. So I don't know if that was a tradition. For a while, it was when we got older, we would play the football games 
Um, whether it was in if uh, we were at my one aunt's house, so they had a bigger backyard, or we'd go to like the local park or somewhere. So I guess probably doing the the, the traditional football game um, for Thanksgiving. But my favorite uh, Thanksgiving meal, um, I love it. And this is recently. I mean, well, I guess not recently. I mean, I've been with Vicky now seven years. But uh, when my wife makes the her cornbread casserole. Oh, okay. Oh, my Lord. It is delicious. Not cornbread. Like, not just regular cornbread. Like a cornbread casserole. It's just great because it's, um, it's got, like, a bunch of creamed corn and, and all kinds of goodness. But the top layer of it is, like, super crunchy. And yeah. just then when you get down to the meat of it, it's, like... It's like ooey gooey, like I don't know what in there. She won't tell me what's in it, but oh my god, it is, it is unbelievable. So cornbread casserole. All right, that sounds pretty good. Oh, I'll, listen, when we do our when we do our Thanksgiving episode, I'll bring some in for you. Oh yes, <laughs> can we eat? Oh, absolutely. Oh we'll, yes, we'll, we'll do a Thanksgiving episode in here the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. We'll bring in. Screw it, let's do it on Thanksgiving. I hate that holiday, anyways. How do you hate Thanksgiving? I don't like getting together with people. It is, yeah, but it's getting together and eating. I don't like half the food. Well, that's where you make your own food. The only thing I eat, I like, I like to eat, is green bean casserole with, um, like those crunchy onions on top. Okay. The what are those called? The, like the onion straws or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. the French's onions or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, and I'm... my mom's monkey bread. Monkey bread. Yeah. What is monkey? So you take bread? like the Pillsbury like um, biscuit roll things. Okay. You you um, you basically like tear them apart and you get a mix of like sugar and cinnamon, and then you put it in there, and you put it kind of like, kind of I think it's like a bunt cake kind of mold. Okay. You put that in that, and you melt butter, and like you pour it over it, and then you bake it. So it's like a, and then like you pour it, out, you pull it out, and it's like a, it's a in the shape of a bun cake and you can pick off like the little individual things and it's um basically a buttery uh cinnamon sugar little like nugget that sounds everything you said in there buttery cinnamon sugar just sounds delicious yeah like so i'm i'm guessing that has got to be all kinds of good oh it's it's amazing it's it and it could double as a breakfast food Kind of. It's, oh, absolutely. I think it like doubles as a breakfast food, like donuts double as a breakfast food. <laughs> Are donuts really a breakfast food? I I don't know. I guess. Yeah. I think to I a guess. point, like if you be like, I get like my like, um, I don't know. Like if you go to Paula's Donuts, that's not a breakfast food. That's no, like that's diabetes. That that's that's a poor life choice. That's gonna ruin your day. But if you get like a like a sprinkled donut with your coffee, that's okay. Okay, it's kind of like even like a little a honey bear. Griller. Let's just say a bear, a bear claw, claw is not a breakfast food. <laughs> no, or like you said, it's a bad. Life choice. It's a bad life. That's a day on the couch kind of choice. <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, we're definitely having a Thanksgiving episode uh, coming up. We'll do that on a Tuesday before Thanksgiving. But no, how do you, I love the holidays that you you don't have to get anything. You don't have to, you just bring food and show up, eat. So I love it. Um, well, like I said, next week we're uh, – I know we're excited to have uh, Megan back and Michelle join us, talk a little cross-country, uh, have a replay of how they did uh, sectionals because I know their sectionals is this weekend. Um, you know what, Matt, for no guest, 
I thought we did pretty damn well. Oh, we nailed this. We don't need guests all the time. <laughs> we just it had is- to connect ourselves. And if anybody out there wants to be guests, please drop us a line, uh, drop us a message on Facebook at Stories from the Sidelines, where you can follow us. Also, check out um, our Instagram at Stories from the Sidelines. Um, as always, it has been fun. Um, <clears throat> Matt had a ball doing it. Um, my name is Coach Larry. For Matt, we Matt Keo, we are out of here. Thank you guys again. And we'll see you next week on Stories from the Sidelines.